It's February 26, and the prohibition against pot possession limits certain people's freedom of religion. Well, at least according to the Ontario Supreme Court. The people are members of the Assembly of the Church of the Universe. They claim that the cannabis plant is sacred to their religion. Two clergymen of the Assembly were charged with trafficking in marijuana and hashish. Their defense claimed that Canada's drug laws infringe on the freedom of religion. One of the defendants testified that cannabis is a sacred substance and that its consumption brings adherents closer to God. But the court ruled that Canada's laws against smoking marijuana do not violate the country's constitutional guarantee of freedom of religion. The court found that the marijuana laws are there to prevent harm to Canadians and in particular the avoidance of harm to vulnerable individuals. The judge further explained that it is difficult, if not impossible, for an outsider to identify religious use of the drug because religious use is barely indistinguishable from recreational use. So tell me this, what defines a religion? Is it just any belief system or does it have to offer an insight or answers into the existential questions of life? Doesn't it have to offer a moral or ethical code? Well, apparently not. Not according to the members of the Assembly of the Church of the Universe. Although, it's uncertain whether the courts gave them a free pass or not. But even if the court were to find that the church's activities are protected as religious practices, they are still not allowed to traffic or sell the substance. I thought I'd heard it all. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio. Hello and welcome to this 100th edition of Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, Chris Dimitrenko. Can you believe it's been 100 shows? N no. How many years is that? It's been two years. It feels at least twice that long. Oh, really? Yeah. It's you and me. We've been here since the beginning. Uh, 100th Salt and Light Radio, um, 100 shows of great news headlines and commentary. So what do we have today, Chris? Well, we're going to be talking about a new Archbishop of Quebec that becomes the, he becomes the primate of Canada, oh, yeah. and he's a familiar face. Also, we're going to be talking about the Pope's message for Lent, so we'll tell you how he'd like you to prepare for Lent. And finally, there was a liturgy of lament and repentance in Ireland, which was a, a very moving occasion. Mm -hmm. Okay, and we're going to continue with uh, <laughs> an ordinary Salt and Light radio show. There's nothing special for our, our 100th episode, um, just the Salt and Light radio that people love. Um, Chris Giardino was going to be back uh, to offer us some suggestions on good DVDs to rent. I know that you're going to be tuning into the Academy Awards tomorrow night. Honestly, S probably not, Pedro. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll read the headlines <laughs> the next day. Okay, so we'll see. So we'll see what Chris has to say about the mm -hmm. three of the films that are that are nominated. Um, now, Chris, is there anything about Christianity that you hate? Well, honestly, Pedro, I think the music could be a little oh, bit better. Oh, really? It's, it's getting better in terms of our sort of engagement in, in, uh, in, in entertainment, but uh, I think it could improve. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, today we're going to be speaking with Jason Berggren. He's the author of a book, 10 Things I Hate About Christianity. I don't think music is in there, but I'll have to tell him that. Um, and a secular Franciscan, 
is a, a singer-songwriter, Colleen McAllister, returns as our featured artist. And that's uh, going to be in our second half hour. But first, we begin with a song, as we usually do. Here's Colleen McAllister with her song, The Frog Song. Colleen McAllister with The Frog Song. We'll be speaking with Colleen in the second half hour. And in about 15 minutes, Chris Giardino is going to be here with his choice of DVDs for the weekend. But before that, Quebec has a new archbishop. Yes, and Quebec City is actually, Pedro, North America's oldest diocese. Right. And it's actually a familiar face for those who live there. Uh Bishop Gerard Cyprien Lacroix was named the archbishop. 
and he, as such, he receives the title of Primate of the Canadian Church. Okay. And uh, it's, it's really a formal title. Um, I believe that in the United States, Baltimore is, is the primatial see, although viewers can correct me if I'm wrong mm -hmm. on that one. Yeah. Bishop Lacroix had been serving as the auxiliary bishop of the Archdiocese for nearly two years as one of the auxiliaries. He then took over as diocesan administrator when Cardinal Marc Ouellette was appointed to the Vatican. Mm -hmm. Now, the 53-year-old Archbishop-elect, so still very young, reacted to the announcement, saying that it's with much joy and humility that I accept to serve the Church of Quebec with all my heart, continuing to give my life for the proclamation of the gospel. Mm -hmm. a very nice sentiment from Bishop Lacroix. Now, he wasn't the only auxiliary bishop of Quebec City to receive a promotion on that same day. Uh, bishop Gilles Lemay was named the Bishop of Amos, uh, or Amo, and that's in the yep. north, that's in northwestern Quebec. And Salt and Light offers our congratulations to both of them. Yes. Now, turning to Lent, Pedro, have you been thinking much about Lent? I mean, it's coming soon. No, right? it's coming very soon, but I have not been thinking about Lent. Mm -hmm. So eat all those those foods that you normally give up now, like go to the yes. grocery store and, and buy yes. them. Maybe I'm missing the point a little bit, but yes. uh, the Pope is, is, has released his message for Lent already, and he says that Christians must free themselves of the burden of material goods. And that's his Lenten plan. He released... Uh, a message at a Vatican press conference. It was actually Cardinal Robert Serra, president of the Pontifical Council, Cor Unum, who released the message. Now, the theme is you were buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him. And that's from Colossians. Where the Pope says that by immersing ourselves into Christ's passion, we free our hearts from a self-centered relationship with worldly desires. And those material concerns impoverish us and prevent us from being available for God and our neighbor. Now, lastly, Pedro, I wanted to talk to you about uh, something that's happened in the Archdiocese of Dublin. Uh, the Archbishop says that that Archdiocese will never be the same again. And this was Archbishop Dermud Martin uh, of Dublin, Ireland, in the wake of the clergy sex abuse crisis there. Uh, a week ago on Sunday, he led a liturgy of lament and repentance he was joined by Cardinal Sean O'Malley. Now, he's from Boston, mm -hmm. but he's there because he's one of the Vatican's visitators, they're called, who have been sent to assist the Irish Church. Now, over 1,000 abuse survivors and their families attended the liturgy. The prelates apologized for the Church's failure to respond to reports of abuse. And then they washed the feet of eight survivors as a sign of humility. Many people who were there in the congregation were moved to tears uh, the reports say. And Archbishop Martin says that the Archdiocese can never rest until the day in which the last victim has found his or her peace. And so hopefully that should be the sentiment of, of the whole church, that we can't rest until everyone's found their peace. Yeah, wow, mm -hmm. what a great image of, uh, I guess, a re a reconciliation and, and uh, restorative justice, the washing of the feet. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Chris. Krista Matrenko, our uh, Salt and Light Radio News producer. If you'd like to comment on anything that you hear on this program, don't be shy. We love to get your emails, radio at saltandlighttv.org. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. My name is Pedro. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Coming up is Jenna with an update from Quebec City. But before that... 
our Saint of the Week with Lawrence. Hi, Pedro. All right, so on Thursday, March 3rd, we have the Feast of St. Catherine Drexel. Yeah. She was born in Philadelphia in 1858. Uh, her mother died shortly after her birth, and her father raised her. Um, he was a wealthy banker, uh-huh. and he always taught her that money was a loan from God and that it should be shared with others. So okay. she learned that from a young age. Also, when she was younger, uh, she traveled around the U.S. and Europe. And through this, she saw the different marginalized people, like in the States, the Native Americans and the African Americans. And she grew um, a strong fondness for them. Uh So from then on, she became a vocal advocate of racial tolerance and dedicated her life and her substantial inheritance from uh-huh. her father wow. to the oppressed Native Americans and African Americans. Okay, well, so wait, this was the, the mid-1800s. Okay, wow. Yeah. Okay. So relatively recent compared to some yeah, of the yeah, other yeah, saints yeah, maybe sure. that we've highlighted. And, uh, and then at age 33 in 1891, she established a religious order called the Sisters of the Blessed Sacrament, which were initially um, focused on just helping the the poor, basically, okay. these marginalized people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, uh, Sisters of the Blessed Sacrament, they were strongly devoted to the Eucharist, as I said, social equality, also education for all, and selfless service was another thing that they wow. were strongly devoted to. Um, so uh, with her money and um, through her community, she financed over 60 missions and schools around the U.S., mm-hmm. and uh, she also founded the Xavier University of Louisiana, which is the only historically black Catholic university in the States. Really? Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. Uh, and then uh, in 1955, she died and uh, she was 96. So Wow, long nice life. long life. Yeah. And canonized uh, by John Paul II in 2000. And she was thus the uh, second American-born saint. After St. Uh, Elizabeth Seton. That's right. Right. So, so American-born saint, second American-born saint, both were women. That's very yeah, interesting. Exactly. Wow. Um, uh, uh, she's a patron saint? She is. Um, so um, um, it's, I guess it's kind of obvious. She's the patron saint of uh, racial justice yeah, and uh, philanthropists. Interesting. I love that. I love, I just, I didn't know about Xavier University in Louisiana, so that's great. Yeah. So her feast day is uh, coming up March 3rd, St. Catherine Drexel. Um, thank you, Lawrence, our Saint expert. He's going to be back in about 10 minutes with our TV programming highlights, so don't go anywhere. I'm Mark Matthews, your Hollywood undercover missionary, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. To podcast our show, go to saltandlighttv.org slash radio, or you can also get it off iTunes. And to figure out what movie to rent this weekend, stick around for a bit, because our DVD picks are coming right up. But before that, you'll get your diocesan update right here. Because here's Jenna. Thank you, Pedro. We have a few events in the Toronto area to look forward to. First off, we have the Calling All Girls Conference. So this excludes a few people, I think, but it's for girls ages 12 to 17. Okay, so I can't go. You can't go. Sorry about Mm. that one. Yeah, it's on March the 4th, and it's in Mississauga at the John Paul II Cultural Centre. And the speaker, you might have heard of her. She's the author of Dressing with Dignity. So at this conference, they'll be teaching girls how to dress modestly, how to make good friends and good decisions. It sounds like a good one. Yeah. The registration is $20. And also for any grown-up girls out there, the same organizers are holding a conference the day after. Okay. In the same area, only it's at the Sheraton Airport Hotel. So that's on March the 5th. Uh, Registration's $59. Same guest speaker, Colleen Hammond. And the talks this time will focus on 
effective time management and how to deal with loss. Also, really interesting, the spirituality of motherhood. So for information on either of those two conferences, you can visit keepandshare.com. And this is kind of neat. This year in Alberta, they'll be holding their first annual province-wide youth rally. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's set to take place on March the 5th, so that's Saturday, and it'll be in Red Deer. Okay. Red Deer, Alberta. So there'll be live music, small group discussions, and a mass with the Archbishop of Edmonton, his uh, his most reverend. Yes, Richard Smith. Richard Smith, yes. that's right, friend of ours. Yes. The evening will end off with exalt, adoration, and benediction. Nice. And for more information on this event, you can just visit the Archdiocese of Edmonton website. And next we have CCO. Have you ever heard of them, Pedro? CCO. Yes. They're yes, all I over go, the place yeah, now. We talk they're taking about them the, all the time. Yeah. yeah, for sure. They're taking the country by storm, these guys. So CCO stands for Catholic Christian Outreach, for those of you who might not know. And it's made up of university students and lay missionaries, and they work on campuses all over the country. Mm-hmm. Actually, they're expanding every year. Their goal is to expand to one new university each nice. year. They're doing really well yes. for themselves. I think they're present on about 10 universities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to have had them on mine, let me tell yeah, you. Yeah, me too. They aim to proclaim the message of Jesus in a clear and simple way, with a constant emphasis on building leaders, mm-hmm. rising up uh, disciples for Jesus. So last week, I had the chance to speak with CCO's Etienne de Champlain, Etienne is based at the University of Laval in Quebec City. Etienne, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Yes, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to have you. Could you tell us a little bit about CCO's ministry at Laval? How do you reach out to the students there on campus? Yes, well, uh, things are going well. It's, we're, our, uh, we're starting, well, we've all been there almost two years. It's our fourth semester, and uh, we have around 50 students that are involved in our weekly Bible study, so it's uh, really fun to see all these young adults coming out every week. It's really great. So how do you get to these young adults? How do they start to hear about you and come out? Uh, well, we've connected through them through a, a popcorn survey, and they, um, they've, they've come, we've invited them to Bible studies. Um, some of them are non-Catholic or they're non-practicing. Uh, this semester we've had more students that are kind of have strayed away from the faith, but they're very open to know more about the faith, and so they've come out to the Bible study. So now we're around in our third week already of our Bible study. So and you say there are, there are about 50 involved at the school there, yeah. and it's only been two years. That's pretty good. Could you yes, tell it us, Yeah, very good. Could you tell us a little bit about this prayer campaign you have coming up? I heard something about a, a 24-7 prayer campaign. Yes, exactly. Well, it's, um, this 24-7 campaign is uh, um, Canadian, it was across Canada. It's people can sign up on the, on the website 24.cca cco.ca. It's, um, well, it kind of comes around uh, the week where we propose to the students to uh, have a personal relationship with Christ, so we um, kind of bring this bring this to them, so it's kind of a, um, a little, oh, sorry, I have, uh, it's kind of a, it's, we put them to, um, to, uh, to basically come and learn who Christ is, so we've kind of went through the different uh, Bible studies, lessons with them, and uh, we propose them to have this um, this uh, relationship, personal relationship with Christ. So um, most of them are very w- welcoming uh, to, for, for when we propose that to them. So it's very, it's very great for them to be responding to the love and good news of the Lord. So great. Excellent. And Etienne, yeah, just last week we heard Quebec City also inherited a new shepherd, Bishop yes. uh, Gerald Lacroix. And what do you think this will mean for your ministry and for the young people of Quebec? He certainly has big shoes to fill, eh? 
Yes, well, it's it's going to be. I think it's uh, great news. Uh, he was formerly in charge of the uh, kind of the um, new evangelization new evangelization in the diocese. He had been appointed by the cardinal to take to head that uh, office, and so he's a very very close to young adults. Uh, we had the chance of having him at our Rise Up conference in Montreal this uh, over Christmas, and um, he speaks. He's very dynamic. Um, he. Um, has evangelization as uh, very, I think, uh, one of his priorities, and um, I think it's going to be a, a great renewal. Also, while well, continuing the same steps as uh, Cardinal Willette, um to continue to be um, kind of um, uh, reaching out to young adults, but not also just not to young adults, but to all the the people that kind of are have strayed away from the faith and the church. And um, he's a, yeah, very welcoming person. I've had a couple of chances to meet him and very uh, welcoming very centered on the person he's talking to and uh, i think it's going to be great for the diocese to have a person that's very uh, charismatic in a way um to be as a, to have him as a shepherd and um also for him as a person that is very um geared towards and directed he likes a lot to uh, to um go and mm. dwell in the in the um the Bible. He's very somebody who's very centered on Scripture, so I think it's going to be great for for the renewal of continu- continual renewal. I think the Cardinal has very well started off. Uh, we have long, a lot of young adults that are turning back towards uh, the faith, and uh, little by little, we're seeing our churches and uh, with more, we're seeing more young adults coming to church. So I think That's he's definitely going to be able to continue on this great mission. Excellent. That's certainly great news for CCO. Thank you so much, Tam, for joining us today. Thank you very much. So that was CCO's Etienne de Champlain from Quebec City. Well, thank you very much, Jenna. You're Um, very welcome. There's lots more to come, including thoughts on some of the Academy Award-nominated films, so stay tuned. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. You can find Salt and Light on Facebook, and you can also follow us on Twitter. And now it's time for... movie picks with Chris Giardino. So, Chris, you're excited about the Academy Awards. Yeah, I think so. Uh, the awards tomorrow night should be a lot of fun uh, coming down between uh, the King's Speech and the Social Network, it looks like, yeah. for our Best Picture and Director and Acting uh, Awards. So those two films, would they be your choices? Um, I, I certainly I loved, uh, as we talked about last time, Winter's Bone. I like Toy Story 3. Yeah. There's actually a lot of good nominees this year, um, but they are two very strong films that will probably be remembered for a long time. Yeah, why is that? Uh, I think in the case of The King's Speech, you have a film that essentially is like the Rocky Balboa of political pictures. Yeah. It plays the uh, cusp okay. of World War II with King George VI of Britain, and he um, gets to ascend to the throne after some uh, controversy with his uh, Nazi-sympathizing brother. Uh-huh. And he has a speech impediment. He stutters. He can't speak very clearly. He's looked down upon by the establishment. And it chronicles him going to... Um, an Australian speech therapist who's played by the wonderful Jeffrey Rush. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's a culture clash between Jeffrey Rush, who's much more blue-collar as opposed to the royalty of uh, King George. And the film really fashions um, an underdog story where you root for him. He's a vulnerable hero. And it's beautifully shot by um, the director, Tom Hooper, and with a fantastic script by uh, David Seidler. And it really is a film that sort of get you up in your feet and cheering for politicians, which is not something we usually do <laughs> yeah. these days. <laughs> no, it isn't. Um, and, and even the whole style and budget and everything is completely different than the social network. 
Exactly. It's a much more lower-budget film where the social network's um, obviously a drama and very uh, contemporary. It's the story of Mark Zuckerberg Mm -hmm. and the founding of Facebook. Um, What's fascinating about it is the way David Fincher, the director, structures it in that even though Zuckerberg is the protagonist, I'm sorry, he's the um, lead character who gets the most screen time, Uh in many ways it's structured as though he is the antagonist. Okay. So it gives the film almost a coldness where you see different timelines of the people who are suing him saying he stole their idea and so forth. So even though, sorry, just to clarify, so even though he's on screen most of the time, so he's the lead, the story's not told from his point of view, so you kind of take sides with the, with the other people. Very much. It paints the people who are... The film goes through three different timelines, two different depositions uh-huh. of people who are going against him and giving their views of the story, and then you get the flashbacks of what happened through their perspective. So it gives you an almost cold view of Zuckerberg, and he's portrayed in a very unsympathetic light. I don't know what the real Zuckerberg is like, hmm. um, but the film itself is quite compelling. Yeah. Do you think it's it's compelling because it's just a good script, or is it compelling because people it's so such a current topic, Facebook, you know, social networking? I, I think in both respects, it certainly is contemporary. Um, but the script is written by Aaron Sorkin, who most people know from yeah. The West Wing. Yeah. And uh, the dialogue is very crisp. It's very concise and to the point. And in the way it structures the actual story. Um, it's something uh, quite worthy of an Oscar award, if not a, uh, if not just a nomination. Right. Um, and the, the score is by Trent Reznor uh-huh. um, from the group Nine Inch Nails, which is also creates a lot of tension in the film, which you'd be surprised how much tension comes out of a film that could have been done as a stale Harvard drama. Yeah. It's actually quite intense. Interesting. Now, you mentioned a third film, Toy Story 3, yes. which is also nominated. That again, completely different film. <laughs> so how did those three films end up being nominated for the same award? Uh, I think in the case of Toy Story 3, you have, uh, I mean, obviously the wonderful company Pixar. And yeah. uh, it's a film that even though it is ostensibly made for children, there's a level of maturity and pathos to the subject matter yeah. in dealing with the pain of nostalgia. Um, how do you let go of the past? go forward to the new. Mm-hmm. Um, and the characters are just so richly drawn uh, with Buzz Lightyear and Woody and Jesse um, that we've come to really sort of love these characters. We bring a lot to them in terms of our own past and relationship with toys, but it's also filled with friendship and letting go. Um, and it's done exquisitely. If you, if you watch it at the end and you have a dry eye, then I, <laughs> I don't really know, uh, yeah, I know what would make you cry. I know. Okay, so we got three films um, uh, certainly three films that people should watch at some point. They're good films. The King's Speech, Social Networking, uh, sorry, The Social Network, and uh, Toy Story 3. Um, uh, just, just for fun, Chris, w- w- which, which of the three is going to win? Uh, I think The King's Speech will definitely get Best Picture, um, but some people are saying David Fincher will get Best Director, although there's a lot of people think it might go to Tom Hooper. Uh, I think Toy Story will win Best Animated Picture. Oh, and uh, just incidentally, um, in Canada, both films, all the, well, Toy Story is G-rated uh-huh. for your listeners, okay, and yeah. the King's Speech is PG. It is completely worthy of a family audience. It, yeah. Its American rating is an R because there's one scene where they, they comically illustrate the only time that the king doesn't stutter is when he gets upset and swears. Oh, okay. So there's one very brief scene where you see that, um, but other than that, 
it is a wonderful film. So if yeah. you do watch it with your kids, you just turn down the volume for 30 seconds. Right. And beyond that, it's a fantastic film. The Social Network, again, it's a PG-rated film, uh, I believe, but it's much more PG-13, rather. But it, it, it's certainly appropriate for mature teenagers. Not. Yeah, so it's a film that, uh, for certain families, uh, could be viewed by the whole family. Well, thank you very much, Chris. We're looking forward to, uh, to see your predictions <laughs> All right. tomorrow night. Uh, Chris Giardino, our movie expert, uh, he's going to be back in about three weeks uh, or so. But uh, in the meantime, happy movie watching. I'm John Dawson, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159, XM 117. Our blog is saltandlighttv.org slash blog. My name is Pedro, and back with me now is Lawrence with a programming update. Hi, Pedro. So we have um, a repeat of the new Nothing More Beautiful show on Tuesday, March 1st at 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific. So as we know, that's a series on, of witness talks and catechesis. From Edmonton. That's right. So that's uh, a repeat of the new Nothing More Beautiful on Tuesday, March 1st at 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific. And we have a documentary called An Empire Conquered on Wednesday, March 2nd at 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific. And so this documentary is about the spread of Christianity uh, during the persecution of the Roman Empire. Okay, so it has nothing to do with the empire striking back. Um, no. No. Okay. It's so early church. Early history. church. Okay. It's actually a really good documentary. The Empire Conquered. It's going to air on March the 2nd, Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific. And we have uh, Amanda Vernon in concert. Oh, yes. On Thursday, March 3rd at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 9.30 Pacific. She is very, very good. We recorded this concert at the Eucharistic Congress in Quebec right. City. Um, and at that time... Nobody knew who Amanda Vernon was. Oh, yeah. It was great. And now she's quite well known. Um, if you don't know who she is, I encourage you to tune in Thursday, March 3rd at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 9.30 Pacific. Uh, it's, a, it's a really, really good concert. She's very talented. And uh, finally, we have a new episode of our series, The Nazareth Jesus New, on March 4th at 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific. And this episode is on the paralytic. Okay, so the paralytic on uh, the Nazareth, Jesus new, uh, a new episode. It's going to air on Friday, March 4th at 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific. Those are our programming highlights. Thank you very much, Lawrence. A reminder to all our dear listeners, if you're outside our uh, broadcasting area, remember you can, uh, you, can, you can watch all our programs streaming live on our website, saltandlighttv.org. And coming up in our second half hour, a featured chat with the author of 10 Things I Hate About Christianity. And we speak with third order Franciscan singer, songwriter, all around troubadour, Colleen McAllister. So stick around. Jason Berggren is not what you'd describe as a Christian writer. And in some ways, he's not really what some would describe a Christian. And his book... 10 Things I Hate About Christianity does not seem to be the kind of book that would lead people to Christ, but it does. And to help us understand where he's coming from, we are now joined by Jason Berggren. Jason, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Well, thank you so much for having me. So, why hate? Do you, are there really th things about Christianity that you hate? Well, sure. Uh, I know hate is a strong word, and I've gotten... You, you know, people always are on both sides. There's no in-between with that word. They either totally get it or they're mad that I said it. But I use the word hate um, in the same way on uh, a lot of us on 
New Year's Day, look at ourselves in the mirror, and we say, hey, I hate the way you look, and we start making changes, and hopefully uh, that will help us get healthier. And so faith is the most important thing to me, and so I I use the hate in that sense, this deep sense of dissatisfaction that hopefully is... It fuels your momentum to change and to grow. Actually, that's a good... Uh, in the book, in the chapter on love, you talk about how you, you, you hate love. And of course, that's not what you mean because that doesn't make any sense. But you hate the idea that, that love is so hard or that you hate that you have to love your enemy. Um, so is that kind of what you're going on? That there's all these things about Christianity that are hard and so, or that you struggle with? So that's why you can use the word hate? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's like a kid trying, my kids, you know, they're trying to play baseball and stuff, and they can't catch the ball or hit it like they want, and so they get really mad and stomp their feet. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of me. I think there's an unhealthy hate, but they're also, you know, that kind of outright disregard and disobedience and rule-breaking, but there can be a healthy hate, you know. You you kind of, a passionate defiance of the norms and the trends or the hard things to continue and pursue a goal that, or vision that's important to you. Yeah, and, and certainly uh, there are things that we struggle with, so you're talking about the things that you struggle with. Um, uh, without giving too much away, because we want people to get the book, um, what, give us some examples of what are the things about Christianity that you hate. Well, I go through what I would consider the foundational elements of, the, of, of my faith. Oh, over the last 20-plus years, you know, I, 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 and, and also in conversations I've had with people, Pretty much, you know, when you get behind closed doors, these are the things people talk about. And so I go through the idea of faith itself, Mm -hmm. uh, of living in the unknown. I go through prayer, the Bible. I deal with sin. I deal with rules, love, like you said. I also tackle hell, uh, answers to difficult questions, church, and even Christians, because, you know, (laughs) some some Christians can be great, but some can be quirky. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You've described, uh, again, also in the book, you describe your own faith in Jesus as, as the best decision you ever made, but also the most difficult. Um, you talk about all the things that you struggle with, so what, what was it about this faith that was so appealing to you as a teenager? Yeah, that's a good question. And, uh, you know, I grew up in a broken home like a lot of kids my age. I, uh-huh. I mean, that were kids. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah we're <laughs> and, not kids uh, anymore. I grew up with a lot of anger and confusion and insecurity. I grew up in a broken home. And so when I came to faith, uh, the, uh, a nice older lady presented me with this idea that I had value and purpose to God. I was created for a reason. Mm-hmm. And the idea that I wasn't accidental or in, inconsequential and, yep. and how she discussed it, and it wasn't me earning my way into heaven. It wasn't legalistic. I mean, I was only 15, and I wouldn't necessarily use that word, but that's how I understand it now. Right. But that this was relational, um, it just really appealed to me. Uh-huh. Uh, but still there was some, you know, tension in that, you know, I thought it would take away all my, it would answer all my questions, give me absolute clarity, give me, you know, all, my, all the confidence in the world I wanted, like some kind of cure-all. Right. Uh, it didn't do that. You know, I still had to learn the context. And, you know, sometimes faith can move a mountain, but sometimes it can, you know, drop that mountain on you because you have something to learn or yeah. just the difficulty of life crushes you sometimes. Yeah. So there was still something to learn in, in that whole faith decision. And, and certainly I have more clarity and answers and, and, you know, the confidence I wanted. It just didn't fix everything about life. 
No, and it's good that, I mean, your approach was, I think like a lot of us, that you find things that we don't understand or we don't get or we struggle with. And rather than giving up, you just, well, let's figure it out. And what does that mean? Why does the church teach what the church teaches? Why did Christ teach, you know, or whatever? Um, uh, you mentioned that, that sometimes Christians aren't uh, very appealing or, or very loving or easy to love. So wh- why do you think so many people are turned off by Christianity? Well, that's probably an easy one. And I'd have to throw myself in that boat throughout my life uh, as well. But uh, Christians are, are wonderful when they're, you know, you know, helping and funding relief efforts and hospitals and, you know, whatever. But they're also quirky. You know, they, they show up at funerals with signs that say things like God hates fags or uh-huh. they'll show up to an abortion rally with, with a fetus. And I just think those things are, are formal like protests in front of Disney or some crazy things like that, I think those methods sometimes impede our appeal uh, with the gospel to outsiders, so to speak. Now, do you, do you then hope that in reading your book, people will see what Christianity really is and not focus on those things that are not really Christianity? Uh, absolutely. I, one of the lessons I've learned in my life is that absolute um, I mean, uh, wrong expectations lead to absolute frustration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, it's a little bit of a mouthful. I got it out there. And so I hope that somewhat through my story uh, of just a guy trying to make his faith work in life, I, I didn't grow up a Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I never ha- I've never had a mentor in er- any area of my life, but I hope that it would help people develop a right expectation of the Christian faith themselves. Sure. Right, for sure. Now, is there anything else that you hope the readers will take away from the book? Well, I would say the, le- the one thing I want people to remember is uh, if you believe that God is real and, and He sent His Son, Jesus, you want to pursue that relationship like you would any other relationship that you wanted to work out. Just never give up. Try to figure, out, figure it out. As I say in the subtitle of my book, just try to work through those frustrations. Yeah, because they're, 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 it's, all, it's all there for a reason. Um, uh, is there anything now that you still hate about Christianity, or have you figured it all out? <laughs> no, I have not figured <laughs> it all out. I would say, in some part, um, I, I still deal with all these issues. They're ongoing, you know, because you have a good day and your faith is strong. You have a bad day, and it, it's, you know, you're kind of struggling again, and so you're, you're trying to go back to the basics and work through those things. But I would say maybe a good question would be, what's the most difficult for me? Yeah. And I would say the most difficult for me is love. This really? idea of, and I go through in the book the whole kind of spectrum of love, but mm-hmm. that's the biggest challenge for me. So in terms of... Because, you know, I'm always on my mind. Oh, so in, in terms of being <laughs> self-centered? Yes, sir. And, uh, you know, I've always been on my mind for as long as I can remember. Yeah. But uh, that's certainly not the type of person or faith that Jesus represents or calls me to. No, we're called to focus on the other. And that's one of the things that you hate about loving, that you have to get out of <laughs> yeah. yourself. Well, sure. I, 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 uh, I, I, I tend to be self-centered uh, and selfish, and the, I have to learn to be sacrificial and, and put others first. Yeah, and you know what? We all do, and that's... I think you've, you've started, <laughs> certainly, by writing the book, uh, you're thinking uh, about others other than yourself, Jason. Well, thank um, you. Um, it's, it's been fascinating. Uh, read, and I encourage all our listeners to, uh, 
go to the website uh, 10, the number 10, 10thingsihate.com uh, to find out where you can get the book and find out more about Jason. He also has his own blog. Uh, at that, you can get the link off that same website, 10thingsihate.com. Jason Bergren, author of the book, 10 Things I Hate About Christianity. Jason, it's been a pleasure chatting with you today. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Great. Um, again, the website is 10thingsihate.com. We'll put that link on our site so it's easy to find. And uh, Jason Bergren uh, joined us on the phone from his home in Georgia. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Colleen McAllister, with her song, Sentimental Baby. That was Colleen McAllister with Sentimental Baby. 
Colleen McAllister is one busy gal between being a, a mother and a wife, writing songs, and being a secular Franciscan. She also runs foundations, a safe hangout for young people. And that's just a few of the things she's doing. And to tell us about all the rest, we are joined now by Colleen McAllister. Colleen, welcome back to Salt and Light Radio. Well, thank you, Pedro. It's uh, my privilege to be here. So I, I, that's not even half of the things you're working on. Um, you, I, I'm, I'm thinking that people might be, some of our listeners might be thinking, well, what's a secular Franciscan? What, what is, what's that all about? How can you be married and be a Franciscan? <laughs> exactly. Actually, it's um, a good question because a lot of people are unaware that Francis himself did start three orders. The first one was friars and priests. The second one was the poor clares. And the third order that Francis wrote a rule for uh, consisted of basically in the beginning families who wanted to come and follow his rule. And so they became known as the third order uh-huh. and then after Vatican II as secular Franciscans. So it's, it's for people who are not... Um, members of another order of any kind. So it's for married people, single people, diocesan priests. Some of the popes have been uh, Franciscans in that third order. So you can be, you know, living at home, working, whatever, and still be a third order Franciscan. Yeah, and it's absolutely wonderful because you benefit from the graces and the prayers of both the first and second orders. Hmm. Um, Taking the gospel into the world, we go from the gospel to life and from life to the gospel. Right. Now, you're on the, on the National Council of Secular Franciscans. That's in Canada, right? Yes, I, I am. Um, I'm currently, the uh, I guess, the first youth resource person on the National Council oh, because neat. we are reaching out to young people right across Canada right now. So, and why is that? Well, in other countries for almost every other country, a lot of the um, old countries, um, there were children who grew up with Franciscan friars and sisters who actually formed Franciscan youth fraternities. Uh-huh. And in Canada, so um, large and huge, we actually don't have that organization. We have lots of um, maybe Franciscan youth groups or um, separate entities kind of across Canada, but as an organization, there is a place in the secular Franciscan order for Franciscan youth and Franciscan youth fraternities with representation right on our national and international council. So it's huge. So, uh, sorry, so now we, we now have Franciscan youth fraternities in Canada. We are beginning in Canada. If you remember uh, last summer, I think I had a chance to speak to Alicia. Yes. Uh, just before we went on a pilgrimage. Uh, that pilgrimage was to Captain Madeleine, the shrine of yes. uh, Blessed Father Frederick, yes. who was a Franciscan friar. And we had young people, university students, uh, older high school students from across Canada, from uh, Red Deer, Alberta, to mm-hmm. Prince Edward Island. And all of these young people, um, and I think there was exactly 12, which is interesting, 12 of them all agreed that they wanted to go back to their hometowns and help form Franciscan youth. Okay. So we are right in the very, very beginnings in Canada of this organization. Okay, great. Now, and, and you're uh, planning a pilgrimage this summer with the youth? Well, actually, this summer, there will be eight of us from Canada attending the what is known as UFRA, uh-huh. Franciscan Youth 
Euphrates uh, in Spain at Madrid before World Youth Day. Right, okay. Um, when other uh, young people are going to the days in the diocese, uh-huh. uh, all the Franciscan youth from all the different countries will be gathering at a Franciscan school for lots of great stuff, adoration, mass, fun, music, uh, learning each other's cultures, very joyful, simple Franciscan spirituality. It's awesome. And you're traveling with the group from Canada? Yes. Well, actually, they're going from everywhere, so we'll be meeting there. Okay, I see. And uh, Euphra, uh, the people, the organization is excellent. I've been to two other gatherings with them, and there's people to meet you at the airport and take you where you're going. It's very well organized. Right, nice. Now, can people still, how how does someone uh, find out, or if they want to join one of these Franciscan youth fraternities or, or, or find out more about the secular Franciscans? Um, is do they go to the to the uh, foundation's website or is there a different website? There is a there is a national uh, website for secular Franciscans. That's cios dot org. That actually is great. That's the international website, okay. and if people go to that, that will lead them to the national website. Okay. So st- and it will give them information about Franciscan youth as well. Okay. So and that's- we have a uh, a Euphra contact. Uh, that's on the National Council for Youth, as well as myself as youth resource person. So anyone who wants to contact myself, I will get them connection to the fraternity closest to them or to the youth coordinator that's in their area. Right, so that's CIOFS.org. Now, just to know for anyone that might be tuning in, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara, man. We're speaking to our featured artist of the week, uh, Colleen McAllister. Uh, we're talking about being a Franciscan, which is kind of about music in a way. Um, another thing that you're involved in, Colleen, is uh, you're doing lots of great stuff with youth in your local community. Um, tell us about this new venture, Agape House. Okay. Well, as you know, we've got uh, three different uh, youth drop-in centers already, and St. Francis has a little retreat farm. But in, there's a community uh, known as Marmara, Ontario, uh-huh. that really doesn't have a lot for youth. And we have been privileged by the grace of God to come into um, a lease, an 18-month lease, where we don't have to pay rent. We had to put in a furnace, and this house has nine bedrooms, and it is fully furnished. It's got the tables, the beds, the dressers, the dishes. It's a dream come true because we not only have a need for a safe place for young people to maybe stop in and talk to each other and have something to eat, and, okay. uh, but there is a need for um, some kind of a place that's safe for girls to stay. Between the ages of 16 and 18, there's not a lot. And in, so these, I'm talking about not so much young women who need um, uh, safety, have safety issues because they're in an abusive relationship, or right. people that really need therapeutic care, but those other little ones that end up sleeping on the couch or moving in with the boyfriend, right. or maybe um, girls who are pregnant and don't have the support that they need, or maybe they're a single mom and it's just so tough. We'll be able to have a, a girl's a little girls kind of boarding house. Agape stands for All Girl Adult Preparation Experience. Oh, okay. All Girl Adult Preparation Experience, but Agape, of course, is also love. God's ultimate love, yeah. Unconditional love. Nice. And this is part of the foundations of the San Damiano Foundation uh, program, or is it separate? No, it's part of the San Damiano Foundation's uh, corporate objectives are to provide not only drop-ins and retreat places, but shelters. So this falls right into what we're trying to do so we can issue tax receipts and 
we can receive donations from people to help us with this work. So, uh, so a, a home, a safe environment where young women can either stay or drop in, uh, have a chat with someone. Do you have uh, social workers or counselors, or, or how does that work, youth workers? We have people that a lot of times um, people are just looking for a safe place to be to talk, and the Holy Spirit and God's love help a lot definitely in all that we do. And if you live the prayer of St. Francis, it's going to take you to safe places and it's going to help everything work out okay, and that's going to be our code of conduct. Right. If there's counseling needed, yes, we have resource people, we network with the community. Um, so we can um, link into professional care and professional needs if that's the case. Now, I know you're in a bit of a rush because you're uh, about to take some girls somewhere. Can you tell us a little bit about, about that? About that? <laughs> I'm actually heading up to one of our, our foundation locations. We started a girls' club last last February, so it's been almost a year. Um, they come in to help bake some stuff to help raise money for foundations for our drop-in center. And they said, when can we do this again? And, and from that, we kind of thought, well, why don't we get together, you know, mm-hmm. once a week and do stuff to support foundations, something that while we eat, we share. So we formed um, a club we call Claire's Club. Now, of course, I'm thinking of St. Clair. Yeah and the young, beautiful young role model that she was. Mm-hmm. And there's other beautiful young women role models that a lot of girls these days don't have any uh, awareness of. Right. So we talk about that. So we start with the Our Father, and then we'll bake or cook or play games or clean, and then we end with the Prayer of St. Francis. It's very simple. Okay. And we've developed a relationship now. One of the little girls that came in, uh, she actually was Catholic, so she knew the sign of the cross and Lord's Prayer. The other girls didn't know anything about that mm. at all. Mm-hmm. And over the months now, we all bless ourselves, and we all know the prayers, and and the conversation is opening so that we can actually talk about chastity. We can talk about following your heart inside um, and see how, how to guard yourself from worldly things that maybe shouldn't go in there, which with a frog song kind of alludes to that. Yeah, right. It makes people think about... Um, think about what they listen to and what's mm-hmm. really happening. And, yeah. Yeah, so. interesting. Well, you're doing lots of really good stuff, Colleen. Um, we're actually going to end by playing one of your songs called The Girl's Song, which I think kind of fits right into uh, uh, that work that you're doing at Agape House, but also with this uh, these uh, young girls that you're uh, meeting later today. So thank you so much. If people want to find out more about uh, San Damiano Foundation, it's sandamianofoundation.ca. And we're going to put that link on our website as well so that it's easy to find. Colleen McAllister, you're doing great work. Uh, Lots of good stuff. Thank you for joining us today. Well, you're welcome. And Pedro, may I give my my cell phone number out? It has free incoming calls in case someone wants to know about Franciscan youth or any of this work. Absolutely. What is it? It's 613-242-1125. Okay, so that's Colleen McAllister giving out her phone number, area 613-242-1125, if you want to find out more about the Franciscan Youth Fraternities or about the work that she's doing with the San Damiano Foundation. Colleen, God bless you. Keep doing uh, good work, and we'll, we'll stay in touch, okay? Okay, that's awesome, Pedro, and thanks a lot, and you keep up your good work. Thank you. God bless. <laughs> God bless. So again, Colleen McAllister, uh, here she is with her song, The Girl Song.
We're listening to Colleen McAllister with The Girl's Song. And that song will take us to the end of the program. Remember that you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light radio programs at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And that's also where we post links to our artists or guests. Go visit their websites, buy their stuff. You can learn all about Salt and Light TV and all that we do at saltandlighttv.org. You can learn all about Salt and Light and all that we do at saltandlighttv.org. And to follow us closely, you can do so through Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for your support, your prayers, and your financial contributions. We completely rely on your generosity to do our work, and so your support is greatly appreciated. Thank you, and may God bless you. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio. Yes.